We were trying to eradicate the need for plastic waste or plastic bottles, and then at the same time help people around the world get clean drinking water. Hello, and welcome to the special episode of Shopify On Location. I'm Shwang Esther Shan. Have you ever noticed that staying hydrated on the go is a constant struggle between trying to find a place to refill your water bottles or just giving in and buying plastic bottles of water? Edwin Brani Mensa wanted to solve this exact problem and launched Gimme Tap in 2011. The social enterprise maps London's restaurants and cafes that offers free tap water. Cities like Manchester, New York, and San Francisco are also covered. When Edwin took family trips to Ghana, he was also inspired to launch water projects at Gimme Tap and work with corporate clients to build wells in Africa. Edwin is with me in studio today, and we are chatting all about how Give Me Tap has kept over 4 billion pieces of plastic out of landfills and how they supply drinking water to over 20,000 individuals. Welcome to the show, Edwin. Hello. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here today. I'm so excited to have you here. So you got to tell us how all of this got started and how a six-pack is actually involved <laughs> in the story. So back in 2009, I was a 24-year-old kid, about to turn 25. And for me, becoming 25 was a key milestone. I felt that if I didn't achieve what most men wanted, which is a six-pack by 25, I never would have achieved it because I had this theory that after 25, everything goes downhill. So with that in mind, I had nine months to achieve this goal. So I went to the internet on YouTube and decided to Google transformation videos, a way to get a six pack within 90 days to 120 days. And I stumbled on a program called P90X. And this program guaranteed that in 90 days, you should have a six pack. And so to test the theory, I decided to follow it verbatim. And it said I should eat 3000 calories every single day and drink about five liters of water every day. And that water, le- that water level consumption was quite a lot. And so I was at the University of Manchester going to and from campus. I would constantly be stopping at restaurants and asking them to fill a bottle for me because I was trying to reach my six-pack goals. Now, they didn't really get, care about this. And they would encourage me constantly to buy plastic bottled water. And I couldn't understand why, given that in the UK, we have some of the best water in the world. And yet other people around the world don't have access to clean drink water. But can't we can't get access to it and so I decided it'd be so cool if I could find all of the great restaurants that would offer me free tap water to help me achieve my goal and that's how it started I started going to restaurants and asking them would you refill my bottle and if you would refill mine would you be prepared to come on an app and I would showcase to everyone that you're a tap water friendly location so people can come into your stores and get free water And that's how the business started back in 2009, October. I would walk through my campus to all these different shops. I then was met with so much resistance, but finally found one shop that would agree. And after I had that one shop, I was able to get my university on board. And then I would go to other restaurants and say, you know, we have several other restaurants involved. Do you want to get involved? And slowly but surely, the program started to grow and grow and grow. And the business is essentially... Every single Give Me Tap bottle that we sell gives you the ability to get free water refills from a network of cafes and restaurants. And then with the money we get from the sales of those water bottles, we can then fund clean water projects in countries in Africa. And so that's how the business works. You get water and other people get water too. 
Mm-hmm. And I love that. It's the essence of life we all needed. And I feel like I love the parallel of you having this fitness journey, but also you taking these family trips and realizing the importance of access to water in places like Ghana as well. The fitness part was a really important cornerstone. And given that I've been going to Ghana since I was four, I was always confronted with this issue of water and to see cousins fall ill from drinking water. When we would go there, we would have to take the water, treat it, boil it, wait, and then consume water. And we're talking about being in conditions of 40 degrees Celsius heat where you're just not able to turn on the tap and get water and hydrate. And so I had a deep appreciation from a very young age, having visited Ghana so frequently, that then when I was starting this business... I was really convicted that I wanted to embed a social mission within the company, not just the philanthropic component where we would, you know, donate some money, but where it was deep rooted and embedded into the core function of the business. And that's why it's when you buy a bottle, we then help someone else get five years of clean drinking water. Basically creating a business model that has impact right within the model itself. Exactly. I wanted to talk about the early days of convincing that first restaurant and cafe. What was in your pitch or what was in your story that you feel like finally one person is on board? So I took it really seriously. I printed an A4 one-page document. I would dress nicely. I had a binder. And I would walk into these stores as if I was an executive. And I would speak to them and say, I'm really trying to get you involved. But I think the light bulb moment was for me was when I decided to focus my marketing efforts on a particular niche group. And so I started looking at all the vegan and environmentally friendly restaurants in the Manchester area. So I was at the University of Manchester at the time. And so I started going to these vegan and environmentally focused restaurants and told them the proposition. We were trying to eradicate the need for plastic waste or plastic bottles and then at the same time help people around the world get clean drinking water. And this lady, Leslie, in her cafe had just come back from Africa and was touched by the mission that we were trying to deliver and said, I have to get involved. I've seen what's out there and what's happening I will be your first restaurant. And I was stunned. And because we had her as a first restaurant, I then went to the mayor of Manchester and said, we have an initiative and this is the program and we want to help Manchester reduce its plastic consumption in this manner. And so we invited him to that restaurant, took pictures, sent that to the newspapers, and that helped us get more publicity and more exposure for the company, which then enabled us to get more and more restaurants on board. Utilizing your story in a positive way where you're sharing with the city and you're also getting more people on board to highlight the story is so important. And I think a lot of the times founders, when they first start off, they're a little timid. They feel a little stressed. They feel I'm burdening someone to try to get coverage or try to get someone on board. So it's really great to hear that sometimes you have to take that plunge and actually reach out and share your story. I'd say for context as well, this was my third business. So Mm. prior, I had started businesses before and I was caught in a similar trap that most entrepreneurs faced. So in 2006, I was working with one of my friends and we started a company. We never actually launched or sold a product. We spent two and a half years writing a business plan. It was almost 200 pages. We got into a state of paralysis by analysis. We were overanalyzing every situation and possible outcome, but we didn't actually execute on the business. And then the second business I started We started to get a bit more traction, but we wasn't really building the momentum, so I stopped the company. 
So when I started Give Me Tap six months later after stopping that previous company, I knew that I just wanted to take action quickly. So I wrote a one-page document of what the business was and I just got to the streets and started asking cafes to join. And fortunately, I was a coder by trade. I was doing a computer science and mathematics degree at the time. And so I started coding the website and immediately started taking action. Spoke to suppliers in China, got samples produced. And I think that really helped me get out of my own way and not analyze too much and just started executing straight away. I think only by starting would you know the needed feedback that you would have to better perfect the way that you share your story. When you reach out to manufacturers, then you can actually iterate your product. So let's talk about the first water bottle that you had to create and the process of finding someone who's able to bring your idea to a real-life product. Fortunately, all things happen at the right time. A month before I started Give Me Tap, me and a friend were trying to source products from China, and he had been sourcing products for a few months. So he taught me all the ways to talk to suppliers, how to negotiate, how to get samples affordably. And then when I was going to start Give Me Tap, I had all that information that I could go with, equipped, knowing that I could navigate this process. So I was the one who first designed the bottle. I designed the logo in Photoshop. I had no background, no skills in design, but just tried to learn as I went along. Because I was constrained with capital, I didn't have a lot of money to hire all these type of people for different positions. I just did everything myself and I just learned everything as I went on. And that's how I started the initial designs with the Gimme Tap bottles. So you were finishing your schooling, you're doing your PhD in Manchester. How do you then expand Gimme Tap and have different cities get involved? What was that process like? So my university has a competition. It's called Venture Further. And there's a pre-competition before that, which is a smaller competition called Venture Out, which I applied for a month after having the idea for Give Me Tap. I made it to the top 14 and then we didn't make it any further. And so I went to some of the judges and said, I don't understand. This idea is genius. Why why would it not progress? And they said, I don't think it's financially viable. I said, I don't know why. We have a product and we can create impact. And they said, they don't think it's going to work. If I believe it's going to work, then go and make it work. And my personality is I'm very competitive. So when presented with that type of challenge, I said, by all means, okay. And so I went away and aggressively started reaching out to cafes and restaurants and entered more and more competitions. And so two months later, I'd entered a competition and that competition was Shell Livewire. And I had to present in order to win a thousand pounds investment from this organization. I won the competition and then they produced loads of publication material. So now we were in The Independent, The Observer, The Manchester Evening News and different publications. And that helped us then get all these different cafes and restaurants involved because they saw this as an amazing opportunity to one, help reduce plastic waste, but two, to get footfall into their restaurants. Because if patrons come in to get free water, now they see what this restaurant has to offer. They can also buy something else or feel that there's a social responsibility because this cafe is offering you something for free that you'll also buy something if you wanted to. And that in turn helped us to keep expanding across different cities. Then Give Me Tap was front page of The Observer and that completely changed my whole life and the trajectory of the business because we went front page and I sold out of everything instantly. 
I remember waking up in the morning, seeing my inbox flooded with bottle orders and I didn't understand what was going on. And amongst all those emails was an email from a journalist saying, go and buy the newspaper today. And so I ran out, I picked up the newspaper and I couldn't believe the size of my face on this paper and then understood fully what had happened. And so not only did restaurants join and people buy water bottles, we had brand agencies and marketing agencies reach out and say, we'll help you rebrand for free. We just want to be part of this movement to help people get clean drinking water in the most sustainable way possible. And I feel like it's just an echo of the positivity and the idea that you've had to begin with. Moving from Manchester, expanding, you have this great coverage. How do you, for yourself, let go of some of that responsibility and allow a team to actually help you and also manage the influx of people who want to take part of this initiative now? So in 2012, I started thinking more about hiring people. But on top of that, I was also working in, in corporate finance. So I was simultaneously working and running Give Me Tap and finished my PhD studies. So that time, I really didn't have much free available time to then train and onboard other people. So I would run Give Me Tap as and when I could, knowing that I was in my corporate position in order to save capital to hire people the following year. So 15 months later, I'd saved up enough capital and I left my corporate job. And then that summer in 2013, I hired a group of five interns. And those interns, one or two of them was then going to turn into a full-time position. And that's exactly what happened. We then converted some of them into full-time positions. And for the following year, we had an ops person and a person that would recruit cafes and restaurants to build the water network infrastructure. And in that following year in 2014, we were then fortunate enough to get invited to San Francisco And that's when the whole company transitioned and moved to California, San Francisco, to join on a program called Y Combinator. And in that program, we raised more capital and then raised another round of seed funding, which helped us then to onboard more employees and to continually grow in the company. Y Combinator is well known within the space. A lot of founders and aspiring entrepreneurs will love to be a part of an incubator like that. Any tips that you would share for people who want to be in an incubator like that? YC has, I guess, changed. It's, it's even bigger now than it was when I had applied in 2015 or when I went through the program. So I think some top tips now is it's probably good to have actually some track record whereas before you could apply with an initial idea and some software it's good now to have some sorts of sales coming through because a lot of the companies that are applying now are significantly larger than previously had applied so i'd say that to have a real scope for why your company can be a billion dollar company so why it is a game-changing industry or company and if it can have some network effects then even better One of the biggest tips is apply. Most people get so afraid of applying to top institutions or top programs that they don't even put an application in. And so definitely put an application in. Email a YC founder to get feedback because we know the process and we can give you some insights and tips on how to phrase the questions correctly or the answers correctly. And that's going to go a long way to helping you get into our Combinator. I love the common theme that we've touched upon many times in the conversation is a lot of the times you got to take that first initial step. Yes, indeed. Action is everything. I'm chatting with Edwin Brani Mensa. He is the founder of Give Me Tap, the social enterprise that's making drinking water more accessible for everyone. 
Okay, so let's now talk more about the water projects and how you run that part of the business. So essentially, whenever we sell one of our bottles, we take 20% of that capital and we put it into a water fund. Now, when that fund reaches $6,000, we then use it to build a water pump in a different community in Africa. So for example, we currently work extensively in the upper west region of Ghana. And so Ghana is where both of my parents are born. And that's where my dad grew up, not able to access clean water and really inspired me to then go back to those communities to install several different pumps there. And we work with local businesses to drill boreholes into the ground to access clean groundwater. And then we install a water pump above ground so that people can access water whenever they want, 24-7. And so that is how the water projects work. We then recruit a water committee. And that water committee consists of men and women from the community that are responsible for the maintenance and sustainability of that project. They are shown how to repair the water pump. So if anything goes wrong, they know the parts and components that are necessary to fix it. And they're also in charge of collecting some capital from everyone in the community so that if something breaks down, they can fix the water pump without having a dependency on an organization like Give Me Tap or other funders to maintain it. And that creates this self-sufficiency, self-reliance, sustainability water projects, which is one of the core components we strive for when we put a project in place. And what a beautiful initiative. Listening to all the different parts of the different topics we talked about, there's so many things that you have to look after, and there's so many moving pieces in different parts of the world. How do you manage these different components, and how do you compartmentalize the operations and also your day-to-day tasks? Technology helps. Mm-hmm. A lot. And so we utilize technology, one, to automate some process, one, to take some of the pressure on us in terms of software development, tech development, not needing to do that by using various different tools and and a lot of processes. So I used to work in operations before. So looking at how we can apply some of those procedures and processes into the company just makes things a bit more streamlined, which means we can manage several different moving components. Talk to me about the corporate partnerships. You've worked with Google, Uber, big name companies that have been able to partner with Gimme Tap and get their employees involved in the projects as well. So we work with corporate clients and that really happened fortuitously. I didn't intend to work with corporate clients. I was invited to go and speak at an organization. And after the speech, one of the partners of that company said, I'm going to buy everyone in the audience water bottles. And then a light bulb went off. I thought, wow, If you could do that that easily, maybe we could get this whole organization to buy bottles. Fast forward 18 months, that whole company bought bottles for every single employee across the United Kingdom and was reducing their plastic wastage by 12 million cups every single year were now not getting used because they had replaced it all with Gimme Tap bottles. And they were able to make P&L for themselves within 18 months, which means they became profitable in that component from not having to buy plastic cups, were able to reduce waste, and then were able to create significant impact from a CSR perspective by helping people get more clean drinking water. And so when that happened, we then started working with hundreds and hundreds of different corporate clients. And that just meant I would go to sustainability events, I'd present, I would talk, cold email, reach out through word of mouth, people would come in. 
and we would just do more and more corporate partnerships such that now some of our corporate clients actually come with us to Ghana on the ground to see firsthand the impacts that are being delivered from those partnerships. They run a competition internally, they select some of their employees globally, then about 25 employees come with us to Ghana to come and build pumps, communicate with school children, communicate with people in the local communities, eat food, get embedded in the culture. That's all captured and then shared back internally when they go back to their offices. If I was making a movie about you, I feel like I want a shot of you pitching that first restaurant and then a shot of you like delivering these talks at different companies and just shows how far you've come. <laughs> so it's really cool to hear. I have a hashtag that I left by and it's almost all my posts say is all for the movie. Mm. And uh, because there's highs and lows, but it makes the story very interesting and it, it makes it easier to deal with those business challenges that present themselves or life challenges that present themselves because I know it just makes for a very entertaining plot. And so I take it all with my stride because I keep telling myself it's all for the movie. Mm -hmm. And low points are only momentarily and they help you to move in different directions in different ways. What I want to know is that the company has also moved remotely since 2018. So ahead of the curve of how everybody was forced to be working remotely. Tell me the process of your decision to actually be a remote company and how has that changed your life? So being remote happened in 2018. And then prior to that, we had two offices where we were based in San Francisco because we moved there in 2014. And then we had an office in London. And so it gave us four years of preparation, having a split distributed team to work remotely, build systems, know how to use Zoom, have Slack, have different modes of communication so that we could still run the company across various different time zones. And then in 2018, I needed to travel to Asia to do some work in our factories. And while I was there, I was now nine hours in front of England, I really enjoyed the lifestyle. And I thought to myself, could I build a remote-based company where I don't even have to be sitting next to my employees, where I could be anywhere in the world and still run the organization? Whereas before, when we had a distributed team, I was still with my employers a lot of the time. We had a, a physical office we would go to every day. And in 2018, I decided, let's try and just be remote. And I absolutely loved it. And I loved being able to travel, to meet people in different cultures, meet other entrepreneurs. And then it forced me to be more focused operationally to make sure we had things in place that would enable us to continue running. So when COVID happened, we already had a lot of things figured out, which made it a lot easier to still keep continually running the company. How has the management style or the process of managing a team changed for you because of this remote setup for the company now? I think it just means having to communicate more so than before, because there wasn't that face-to-face -face time, just making sure everyone knows exactly what they have to do, knowing they're on task. I think that's been the major change is just more communication is necessary when we're more distributed, especially because we're distributed across time zones. So making sure people have the necessary information they need in order to do the work while I might be sleeping or vice versa. That has been, I guess, one of the key parts of making it can making it successful. Does it almost feel like the business is just on 24-7? Because to your point, when you're resting, someone else can work on something else and then you can wake up and continue that work. So it almost makes it feel like a little bit more productive in a way. 
There's parts where it feels more productive and there's parts where it can be a bit anxiety inducing. Because depending on what time zone I'm, I'm in, I might wake up like, wow, I'm behind. I need to like <laughs> catch up and immediately check an email. And so the last, I'd say, year or so, what I've been doing in my mornings is making sure I don't check my phone as soon as I wake up and I don't check the time as soon as I wake up. So one of the things I do as soon as I wake up in the morning is I just wake up and I go straight to the gym. And after I finish my workout is when I first check messages and emails, etc. And that's normally an hour and a half to two hours after I've woken up, which allows me to just get ready for the day, stable and functioning before I attack fires and other things. And that's helped reduce more of that anxiety feeling. I just take a second, do what I need to do in my morning routines, and then I get to work. And that's helped me manage things a lot more easier than when we initially went remote. And if I was six hours behind England, I felt this pressure to just catch up as soon as I opened my eyes. For some people, going remote is something fun. They try out for a year or two. They become a digital nomad. But Gimme Tab has been able to make this work for multiple years. And you see yourself doing this for years to come. What are some components that have made it really successful that you feel like this is something I can carry out for the long term? Fortunately, the business has done really well since going remote. So since 2018, we grew a thousand plus percent versus 2017. Again, in 2019, a thousand something percent. And so as the business is growing and scaling, that was a positive. So I was like, well, it's things are going good for the company. And then for myself as the founder, I was just so happy being able to travel and being able to connect with other cultures and people meant that I was nourished emotionally, mentally, spiritually, that going to work was also more pleasurable. And so there's various hobbies I got involved in, various things I was learning in those different cultures that made working more fun. And I was more productive at work because I wasn't only just working 20 hours a day, I had other things to do, which meant I had to be effective at work with the hours I had at work. Mm -hmm. And I think that's just helped myself and helped the company overall. It goes back to the part where you're saying you're taking care of yourself, having a great start of the day, having a great workout. Once you take care of yourself, then you can take care of your team and also all the impact that you guys want to create. 100%. Speaking of that impact, Talk a little bit about the balance, right? You need that profitability foundation in order to drive the impact that you want to create. How has that balance been throughout the whole Gimme Tap journey? So initially it was difficult because initially we started pricing the product at around £7. And so there wasn't much profitability in there. And at the time I had a mentor and my mentor said, you need to increase the price because Given the profitability level, you don't have much to even donate and fund water projects, but also too, from a marketing perspective, your customers won't believe that at such a low price point, you can create the impact you're claiming to create. And so we actually went from £7 to £12, which was a significant amount of like more price difference. It was a significant price increase, which meant there was more profit that we could then make as an organisation that we could then use to fund water projects to create the impacts we desired and simultaneously grow the company. And on top of that, another way we try and stay profitable is by using various different tools, especially technology, especially using a platform like Shopify, in order to not have an extensive dev team that once upon a time I did do a lot of dev work, which was 
much more costly, which meant we couldn't be as agile and profitable as we are now. And that's why using technology for us has been so vital because it removes many manual processes that we might have in place and people that might have done that position can now be offsetted because we have a tool that runs that process completely. And what are some apps or services that really enhance the purchasing journey or the online experience uh, for people who are using the GimmeTap site? So GimmeTap site is built completely on Shopify. So one there, I mean, the whole experience is built on the Shopify platform so people can really use it easily without bugs. Because before when I created it, I was the programmer and I had to debug all the software. And that just took a lot of my time. And then on top of that, in terms of apps that the customer doesn't see as well, is things like Zero. So we use that, Trade Gecko. These help us to manage our inventory, to create purchase orders so we can produce the products both in China and in England when we have corporate partnerships. And then Zero helps us manage all the accounting, all the processing of invoices, etc. So we can manage our books successfully and we know how much we're then donating to our water project partners. And so those are the key sort of softwares that we use at the moment and then we have many different apps to help with marketing so we have a tool that enables customers to design a water bottle logo that they can put on we have another tool that is for marketing purposes that enables customers to contact us via the website that enables customers to know who has recently bought a bottle and to show that there's activity and to drive more sales we have a review system, I think it's called Yopto. So we have Yopto and they enable us to collect reviews and customer images, etc., from our customers to then, you know, encourage more people to join the movement to help more people get clean drinking water. Initially, when your journey started, it was you hitting the ground, getting people involved, and then there was chapter of press coverage. So do you still currently partake in marketing strategies? What is this current chapter and what are you doing to get even more awareness and reaching a bigger audience? A lot of our sales is driven through inbound marketing. So a lot of our sales come through word of mouth. And because we have a legacy of press and different publications, more and more people see those publications and come through. And then we run these corporate initiatives. For example, we're in a lot of investor relation reports at the end of the year. Uh, we do these trips to our water projects. And oftentimes films are created out of that that are then distributed and shared. And because our corporate clients are quite large, they have a large reach to other corporates or other clients and customers. And those customers then come back to us and saying, we've heard about you through Ralph Lauren, through HSBC, through these organizations, and now we want to work with you. And that has been a way we've been able to grow. Over the last four years almost, it's been almost exclusively through inbound marketing. I love that. And I think it stays true to how much people can see the impact and also they love the story because you don't really need to do this outward marketing when people already know and really cherish this impact so they reach out to you it's been very fortunate one of the things we want to do now is is get better at communicating the impacts that we do create as an organization and not only rely on the communication from our corporate clients and other customers, but also have a voice in that and tell our story directly from our mouths that these are the impacts that we've made. For example, the number of, you know, the billions of plastic items that haven't been used now because of our bottles. It's not something we've published officially ourselves. And I want to get 
used to doing that more from Give Me Tap as an organization and not just through our corporate partners or our customers. In addition to that, what are some other projects or other news that you can share with us about the future of Give Me Tap? So we're going to start producing other types of water bottles. So we want to get into filtered water bottles, which again connects into clean water for everyone. So if there's a situation you'll find yourself in when you need to filter the water, we want to be able to provide solutions for you here. And then simultaneously, those products will fund even more clean water products. We want to get into insulated products. We have an insulated water bottle now, but create a different lid variant so that you can easily enjoy coffee on the go and tea on the go and hot up beverages, which ties in really nicely to our water network partners because you can go into a cafe and restaurants. And now not only can you get water, but you can also get a hot beverage. And so tying those products into the overall running of the company are some of the next products we want to launch. Very exciting and uh, very excited to see all those projects come to life. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here, Edwin. Absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me on. And thank you for you guys for creating a platform that makes my life easy. I really appreciate it. <laughs> Amazing. Glad to hear. That's Edwin Brani Mensa, the founder of Give Me Tap. I'm Shwank Esther Shan, and I'll see you next time on Shopify on Location.